The Money Show. The Big Issue. So we go from Raymond Parsons' Zoomonomics to another book on a similar subject, and it's about the future of South Africa. Franz Grenier, the chief executive of the South African Institute of Race Relations, has written A Time Traveller's Guide to Our Next Ten Years. Clem Sunter describes it as thrilling and timely. Uh, it paints scenarios, which is Clem Sunter's favourite thing, of course. But on the cover also is a great big yellow fragile sticker warning that if we drop the ball at all, we could end up in some very negative scenarios. Franz Grenier, this isn't the work of the last six months. This is somewhat more substantial as I leaf through it and, and, and give a sense of the, 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 the 240 pages that it encompasses. Bruce, good evening. It's five years in the making. And it actually started not as a book project at all, but as demand from mainly businesses that were talking to the Institute as a think tank and saying, you guys have a handle on what's going on in the country. And our big concern, the holy grail, is what's going to happen next. And as we sought to develop answers and develop methods that would allow us to find answers, we started putting together the basis of this. And I was then actually approached by Tafelberg who said, we hear you guys do this. Can you put together a popular version relevant to a normal family concerned about their future in South Africa? The results are the 240 pages you've got in your hand. And now, when you look at it, I mean, a time traveler's guide to the next 10 years suggests that you are courageous enough to take some views as to what may occur over the next decade. Now, in a country where we don't look 10 months ahead, never mind, you know, we, don't, we struggle to look 10 days, 10 weeks, never 10 months ahead, you're looking 10 years ahead, you're either crazy or you're the next Sinner Kroner. It's a hugely ambitious undertaking. And I think the first challenge we faced was, can it be done? Can you get to a point where your knowledge about the future is as good as your understanding of the present? And if you look at precedent, you can't. Uh, and there are wonderful examples. The CIA telling President Carter in 1979 that Iran was not in a revolutionary or pre-revolutionary state. It blew, it blew up three months later. Our experience of the veteran uh, journalist Patrick Lawrence interviewing the administrator of Soweto early in June of 1976, who told him the people had never been happier, and a week later that blew up. Yeah. Last year I did scenarios for the State Department in Washington and had the opportunity to ask the question, did you see North Africa coming? And they said, frankly, no. I also had the opportunity then, which was a very good comparison, to be taken to Israel to talk to some Israelis and ask some um, senior officials there, did you see it? And they also said it wasn't on the agenda. These are the greatest intelligence gatherers in the world, allegedly. Now, the, we looked for the answer. If, 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 otherwise, you're just guessing at the future. And yeah. we think we found it, that in incredibly complex systems, thousands of actors competing for a certain end, a small change in the behavior of a single participant will bring about such a huge shift in the future of that system that forecasting it to a single point in future space and time is futile, cannot work. You call it the butterfly effect, right? You call it the butterfly. It's the butterfly effect applied to politics and economics. There is only one antidote, and that is to abandon the idea that there is a singular future and that a brilliant analyst with perfect information can take you to that future. Except rather, even if it sounds at first uh, unsatisfactory, the future is plural. There is more than one. Each one is from today roughly as plausible as any of the others. Your challenge is not to find the single official one. Your challenge is to find a limited number, and there will only be a limited number, yeah. of what is plausible. And then to map, and there's where, that's where the Time Traveler's Guide comes in. This is the roadmap to the future. Then to map 
those events, those route markers, we call them the road signs, that will be characteristic of specific futures. And if it happens that in the weeks and months and years from now to wherever your scenario horizon is, you see a predominance of route markers that will be unique to a specific scenario, you can start to assume with a growing degree of confidence that you know where you're going to end up and you'll probably understand that long before your competitors do. The magic of the method is that it forces you to do what we call imagine the unimaginable. The example we cite is go back to the morning after the Rubicon speech. Yes. 15th August 1985, P.W. Burt has addressed the National Party. He said, and I quote him roughly, accurately, I will not lead white South Africa down the path of abdication and suicide. Mm. Could you, out of that next morning, now Chase Manhattan, the American banking groups refused to roll over our loans, were bankrupt, we're in conflict. Cold War on the go, Mandela in prison. Could you out of that morning have said within just more than a decade, the last leader of the National Party will be gearing up to become the tourism minister in an ANC government, <laughs> which is well on its way to halving the interest yeah. rates it's inherited from the Nats. It is impossible. But a scenario exercise built on that methodology in identifying the major trends and how mm -hmm. they may interact with each other would necessarily have identified that. And while most observers would have said it is highly implausible, that's the same argument we face today when one of the two of the scenarios we produce here are ANC turnarounds. And we say to them, keep an open mind. When the world changes, it happens very rapidly, and the outlying scenario has an uncanny ability of being the one that you're going to end up living in. And that's the thing. I mean, you, there is no single defined reality. And you, you come to, through with that and you come up with four scenarios, um, roughly speaking. You talk about we go down a dangerous road, we go down an off road, we go down a toll road, and we go down a new road. Yeah, yeah. Let's go down the dangerous road first. Let's get yeah, the bad dangerous stuff over road uh, comes out in the book as the Rocky Road scenario. What has happened here is the following chain of events. Coming out of this election, the African National Congress denies that it has a problem. It blames everyone other than itself. It sheds its reformist leaders. It intervenes in an increasingly draconian fashion in the South African economy. And when it realizes the terrible miscalculation that it's made and that this cannot possibly lead it to a future where it meets the expectations of its supporters, it tears down democratic institutions to rule with impunity. We become a lot poorer and there's nothing we can do about it. It's a lights-out scenario for South Africa. It is... Now, now many, many people believe that's where we're headed. Oh, quite. I mean, we've been on a roadshow with this stuff for the last six months, yeah. talking to audiences in business and government. And what I learned very quickly in that roadshow is that we have no trouble at all convincing any audience, even, in, even within the South African government, that the downside scenarios are plausible. But we have to fight for the scenarios that we believe are equally plausible. We are sincere in that view, coming from a conservative think tank. Yeah. Turnarounds are real. They can happen. We've got to fight for those because the audiences are so unwilling to consider what seems so implausible. It's out of that that we develop examples, such as how out of the morning after Rubicon speech yeah. could you have got to Martinez von Skalkwijk? Yes. Um, the same degree of change may lie on our horizon. And what happens in some of those turnaround scenarios is that a ruling party with very limited choices realizes that if it does not reform economic policy, Thatcher, get there, 
and turn the South African economy around. It will never meet the expectations of its supporters and it will lose a future election. We, we, we just look at the outcome of this most recent election and it doesn't seem all that significant that the ANC is reduced from a 66% majority to a 62.5% majority. However, if you drill down into the provinces and you drill down into the metropolitan areas, the ANC has got to be looking at these election results with some degree of concern. It has to be. Oh, enormous concern because what the analysts miss but the ANC understands so well is that voter turnout as a proportion of South Africans over the age of 18 was only 60%. What that means is that less people voted for the ANC than those who chose not to vote. Yeah. Take into that analysis the fact that if it wasn't for growth over the last two elections in KZN, the ANC's turnaround would have been far more obvious. It's, it's declined earlier on. And you have, in my experience, no trouble in a closed meeting of convincing senior ANC leaders that on their current trajectory they can lose a future election. One of the scenarios takes us there to, to an opposition win led by a DA coalition. They will privately accept that today with concern and you will face a solemn group that will nod their heads in agreement and say, if we do not turn this thing around, this may very well be where we end up. Then they leave the room and revert to the status quo because it, it's hard to stand up in opposition internally. Oh, yes. I, I, I do see that. I, my sense of it, if it does all go wrong for them and they are out, and believe me, it's perfectly plausible that within the next 10 years, if you're in business, you'll be planning for South Africa after the ANC because they'll have lost yeah. outright. Um, I see that they will understand why they sunk. The diagnosis will be fine. My fear is that they've lost the ability to change. They cannot do it. And as they sink beneath the waves, they will understand exactly what went wrong and they won't be able to It'll stop it. I wonder, yeah. in fact, whether it hasn't already got to a point that even if they are sincere about the need to reform, which you don't get from the public comments made after this election, even if they're sincere about the need to reform, I wonder whether they've left it too late already. If you want to chat to France Grenier, if you want to take uh, issue with what he is saying, or if you just want to support what he is saying, 21 446 That's the dangerous road. What's off-road? The off-road scenario is um, one that, we also, that also comes out in the book as the wide road scenario, and it's South Africa completely departing from the path that we think it is destined to pursue. We regard South Africa today as a very free and open society with a very poorly performing economy. And those poles reverse. A high growth, high performance economy in a political and social system that's increasingly closed. What's happened on the route to this scenario is again coming out of this election, the ANC realizes the considerable trouble that it's in, which I think privately it will concede. It also realizes that real reform, driving the levels of investment to draw the growth, to create the jobs, to meet the expectations of its supporters, will require such conservative reforms, dealing with bargaining councils, watering down labor legislation, taking steps away from destructive current empowerment and affirmative action policies, that the reform movement will be held up by its opponents in civil society, in trade unions, uh, in the media, within uh, cases brought to courts. And it slowly starts to erode 
the capacity of its potential opponents to stop the reform process. In a sense, we start to resemble something along the lines of a South Korea of the 1970s, although these examples never work. Somewhat like China, only in the nature of the system. An increasingly closed political system, which is applied to creating the most business and investor-friendly scenario you can imagine. As the party recognizes, as your pragmatic and Roman Parsons pragmatic yeah. Chinese leaders did, that it doesn't matter whether the cat is black or white as long as it catches the mouse. The party is ruthless enough to get there. Now, one of the um, – we found that talking to government audiences, this scenario draws – gets people to lean forward and to pay very close. So that they seem to like the idea of pragmatism. Uh, a quick uh, couple of calls. Pete in Pretoria, uh, give us your, your your perspective this evening, Pete. Yeah, quick one, Bruce. I think the ANC has done a fantastic job in, in destroying the opposition. I mean, the Freedom Front Plus is a typical example of uh, uh, most probably ANC-sponsored party that, that split the Afrikaans and English vote and uh, cope uh, to further erode uh, the DA. And uh, I, I think they did an absolutely fantastic job. And you can stand back and just admire them for that. Peter Pretoria with his view this evening. Uh, we'll talk scenarios uh, with the chief executive of the Institute of Security Studies, Franz Cronier, this evening. The Time Traveler's Guide to the Next 10 Years, giving us two more scenarios before we let him go. Franz Cronier, the author, and I'll get this one right, of The Time Traveler's Guide to the Next 10 Years. Uh, politics aside, um, we need to look at uh, more scenarios tonight. Um, the toll road scenario. This is the one where we, we've got a lot of, uh, we, we have to pay extensively to get our future right. Yeah, uh, toll road scenarios are muddle along scenarios, and they're the most dangerous one of all. It breeds complacency. They are the scenario in which you don't believe anything is changing. But if you pick up the little bit, the little nuggets of information, those things beneath the surface, the 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 vast uh, growth of the protest movement in South Africa as leading you in a particular direction, you can start to anticipate that beneath the official surface, which is under control. There is something changing. And when muddle along scenarios, toll road scenarios break, they're a fundamental break from the paradigm we understood to the new paradigm we're in. And North Africa and the speed with which that transition overtook what analysts thought they knew about the region is a wonderful example. We, Our we, toll road? We, we, look, we look at the EFF, for example, because this book uh, is published before the elections. Uh, the EFF suddenly comes from absolutely nowhere. Got Julius Malema, poster boy. He's the guy who's the face of the EFF. He's been a very successful um, face of the EFF. They come out with 8% of the popular vote. I mean, it's extraordinary. More than 1.1 million people put a cross next to the EFF. Now, some people say that is a pressure valve being released. Those little nuggets of information have been telling the EFF story all along. 50% of young black South Africans unemployed. Only a third after 94 passing matric. But that yeah. 60% pass rate is misleading because half the kids drop out of school yep. before they get to matric. This is an environment that is ripe for precisely the kind of radicalism of the EFF. And it's very much in line with, one of the, with, with that Rocky Road scenario produced in this book. And the EFF takes us to an even darker future. Because if it is sufficient, together with the DA, to eventually in 2024 break the ANC's 50.1% national majority, the ANC now needs a coalition partner to govern South Africa with. It doesn't bounce towards the DA, does it? No. Possibly. But I don't think so. It bounces towards the EFF. And if the EFF have 17 by the time that the ANC has 49, 
They put the ANC back in power with a two-thirds majority. That ruling coalition will jump on that majority within weeks to ensure that neither party to that coalition ever again suffers the political setback that brought mm. the ANC to such a low point. And that's the darkest point that that Rocky Road scenario reached. Assuming, of course, the FF lasts. Look at COPE. Oh, certainly they're going yeah. to last. I mean, COPE we described at the time as a one-hit wonder. The EFF has long legs. I wonder whether it is actually not far better positioned than even the DA is to make a serious run at the ANC over the long term. It has such a clear and unique message, such brilliant marketing and imagery, and such a huge audience in that and market in that political vacuum of angry, unemployed, young black South Africans with great expectations that if you had to bet on a political party, the EFF is a very good bet to take. Okay, so before we all slit our wrists, give me the good story, please, because you do have the new road. And the new road is, depending on the options and the decisions we take today, the next 10 years look very different from those three scenarios. Well, indeed, and, and again, it's born out of precisely the moment we sit in today that does the realisation take hold, which it is doing privately in our experience within small parts but influential parts of the ruling alliance, that the status quo is utterly unsustainable, that the assaults from the left and the right and the DA and the EFF threaten to undermine and derail this ANC within the next decade and that the only hope at the ANC's long-term survival is to secure the economic performance necessary to create the jobs to meet the expectations of young people. They, those young people were such a theme through this book. Yeah. They, they completely changed the future. If that realisation is reached, is the ANC capable of the dramatic style of reforms that the Clarks government instituted in the 1990s to move from Rubicon to Martinez von Skalkweg? We think it is. We think it has the leader to do it as well in Jacob Zuma. And one of the criticisms point, put at us on these scenarios is how do you overcome the problem of Zuma? And we say Zuma is an asset in the reform process for two reasons. One, he's not an ideological man. So there's no ideological... Uh, Peter Bruce described him of business day as a man who never heard an idea he did not like. <laughs> Secondly, he's ruthless. And the Absolutely. type of turnaround we need will be ruthless in <laughs> yeah. the face of, of popular opinion in the country, which sees more state control, more regulation, yeah. more hammering of business as the route to a more prosperous country. It would be a mistake to write off the outside chance, and we assign these things equal plausibilities, that a Zuma-led ANC may bring about the most remarkable series of economic reforms in the style of a Margaret Thatcher, and that within 10 years, the difficult business environment that you're dealing with today will be something that you remember and remark on how incredible it is that South Africa, after having flirted with disaster, has made such a phenomenal economic, social and political turnaround. And that is the, the positive road that comes through the, the four main scenarios spelled out in a five-year quest by Franz Grenier to explain what the next ten years look like. A time traveller's guide to our next ten years. It's a fabulous read. Clem Sunter likes it. I like the scenarios painted out by Franz I don't like the scenarios. I like the way in which he's painted those scenarios um, from the terrifying to uh, the almost fantastical. But those are the options that face South Africa. Franz Grenier from uh, the Institute of Race Relations this evening here in the Money Show.